Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I still believe through the cold and through the heat, through the rain and through the tears, through the crowds and through the cheers. Oh, I still believe. What are you doing, no, Kevin? No, this is not a little Wayne intro. This is me lighting the same candle we lit last week. Because you know why we lit this candle last week, Raleigh? Why did we light that, Kevin? Because before the San Francisco game, we had said we have tried literally everything on this podcast over the last five seasons we've been doing this to bring good juju to this team. We had never tried lighting a candle. We lit a candle and we won. <laughs> <laughs> we are back, baby. Woo! Hey. You thought you were 5-0 and oh, coming in all nice and hot? Yeah, we're good. We screwed up again. We uh, lost five or ten minutes of the recording, but we also realized that's good luck, too. Yeah. So we're going twice again, just like we did last week. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dogs of War podcast, number one Browns podcast on the planet. You got Kevin. And Raleigh. And goodness gracious, was that not a top ten win of our lives? That certainly top ten. Absolutely. I'm thinking, do you think it was a top five? I don't want to go. I can't go top five yeah. yet. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can make it an argument. If they make this, if they... It's like I almost don't want like let's just finish this season fifteen and two. So it's like oh, turns out it doesn't count. But uh, yeah, that was certainly the great. I guess it was the first time they've had a double digit comeback in the Stefanski era. Is that correct? That probably sounds right. Um, Cleveland Browns were victorious nineteen to seventeen against the San Francisco 49ers this past Sunday in Cleveland, Ohio. San Francisco came in and. Didn't have much respect for the Browns, seeing as that pregame brawl. Yeah, which, I mean, you saw that like two seconds before the game. So, like, like, okay, oh, shit, right. they got in a fight. Okay. And I will say, I think that there was good and bad. The bad was that I think they got a little too fired up from that. That's why that first drive was what, what it was. But I think after that, they calmed down, and that really got them into it. And I loved um, what the boys were saying after the game, that they're like, we're not taking any disrespect in this house, in this stadium. This is our house. You're not going to come in. And we didn't like how they were moving. We didn't like how the 49ers were, were talking and they were, you know, ran through the uh, DB's drills before the game. You don't do that. You're, you're literally saying, fight me if you run through a team's drill. And they responded. And it was glorious. And, you know, punches were thrown. I think Elijah Moore's helmet was knocked off by Trent Williams. Uh, but then Miles Garrett, you know, ragdolled him later in the game. Anyway, unbelievable game. The video, you and I were at Goodnight John Boy Chicago, Cleveland Browns bar, one of the Cleveland Browns bars. There's a video taken of when Moody missed that field kick, field goal at the end for us to win. Everyone was jumping up, screaming, throwing drinks, cheering. 
I didn't know this until I saw the video. I was the only one sitting at the bar, just stunned, staring at one of the TVs. Not because I was too intoxicated to move, let's be real. I, I couldn't believe it. I was waiting for something, a flag or uh, just something. That never happens to us. What happened? <laughs> uh, this is actually unverified trivia. When, see if you can think of this, and if we need to pause it because it takes you forever to think about no, it, I don't care. When was the last time I was thinking about Jimmy Donovan and the Browns in general? The last time it was bullshit that he didn't get to call that, which I want to go down the rabbit hole, which I already am. When was the last time the Browns won off of another team missing a field goal? Was it the one in 31 against, uh, was it San Diego? That's who I have, which I haven't Is verified. Really? I, I think so. I'll take that. I'll take that. I think it was like, was it Christmas Eve or the, something? Yeah, bizarre? it was a Christmas yeah, miracle, baby. This guy. <laughs> oh, I hate our lives. But yeah, I think you asked, when's the last time that happened? And I was like, I don't think it's ever happened. And then I was like, wait a minute. How can you forget a Christmas miracle of that caliber? Which, if you think about it, this is an absurd thought and that a Browns fan would know. It was one in the one in 31 stretch. That was like one of the happier Christmas Eves that I can remember versus like when the Browns were relevant in more recent years. I remember sitting in Christmas, Christmas. Mass yeah. and people's phones everywhere. You could see all the guys were, and some of the female were looking down. You could tell at the same time when that happened. Everyone's like, yo, yo, yo. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Father. So first off, good night, John Boy. I found out I'm 3-0 and watching games at that Ooh. bar. Same thing. What are you, 2-0, and 3-0? 2-0 because I was at the Cincinnati game okay. for week one. Um, So... The first kick that what's the, what's the San Francisco's kicker's name? Jake again? Moody. Yeah, Moody. The first kick he attempted, I was in the bathroom listening by the urinal, and he missed it. I'm like, oh hell yeah! The you were, second you kick, were using the bathroom, yes, not using just the bathroom, hanging yeah, out yeah, the yeah. bathroom. Well, yeah. at that point, I was using yeah. it. Second kick attempt was uh, I don't even want to say our kicker's name because I don't want to jinx him. What's his name again? Who's kicker? Our kicker. What, uh, D-Hop? Yeah, D-Hop, I'm sorry. It's all right, we have a new kicker every year. It's yeah, okay. new kicker every year. I watch his kick, and he pulls it a little bit. I'm like, oh, hell no. Next time he went to kick, I go in the bathroom. I'm just like, I'm going to go in here. I'm going to not watch him miss it, and I hear the cheers. He makes it. So from that point on, anytime there was a kick, either attempted by the Browns or the Niners, I just went to the urinal, and it worked every time. For the last kick of the game, I'm standing there kind of awkwardly and this guy Maurice comes in. He goes, what are you doing here, man? I'm like, well, every time I'm in here, something good or bad happens, depending on which team's kicking. He goes, okay, I'm going to stay with you. Shout out Maurice. And then we hear the bar go absolutely nuts and we just sprinted out there and it was like, this is the greatest day of my life. Hey, shout out D hop AFC special teams player of the week. Uh, how about, how about PJ Walker? PJ Walker, man. He came in and battled his butt off. Wow. Yeah, you know, a couple interceptions, whatever, but uh, we still beat the 49ers. We were the better team that day. I'm still in shock, but I'm not because we've been, you know, we're wondering, all right, you know, we're through five, six weeks of the season. This defense is number one, but, you know, to put it in the the words of Miles at his press conference after the game, we can bang with anyone. Yeah. So, hey, knock on wood, barring health, if we just get Deshaun back and he plays to like a C minus, even maybe a D plus level, with this defense, we're in every single game against anyone. Now, granted, it that was glass half full. It's only the sixth week of the season. A lot of games to go. 
But we're at the time now where teams start to separate and pull apart. Yeah. And we gave Brock Purdy his first regular season loss. And first regular season pick. First interception. Shout out Martin Emerson. For his first pick was Brock. His first career pick was Brock Purdy's first pick of the season. Yeah. And I am still in shock. Also, back me up on this or correct me if I'm wrong. Walker had two balls thrown that game that were like maybe the prettiest reception. One, both of them to Cooper. One of them was that deep ball to Cooper where he almost broke away. When Cooper jumped up between those two dudes and got it on the sideline, that was I shrieked like a little child. That was insane. Um, shout out PJ Walker because when he got interviewed after the game, they said, so tell us how you prep for this game. He said, you know who he called this past week? I do. He called Jacoby Brissett last week after practice and said, hey, I'm starting this week. Tell me how to work with Amari Cooper. And Brissett goes, if he wins that battle at the line of scrimmage, so if he beats the cornerback that's on him, throw it up in the air. He's going to go get it. Yeah. And it worked. So he said, if he wins that battle against that DB, throw it at him. He's going to catch the ball. Yeah, man. Stud. Still a stud receiver. Not getting enough flowers that he should league-wide. Stud. He's such Those a routes. Oh. He put boys on skates. I know, man. That was... Oh, shout out Kareem Hunt. That was awesome. And I looked at you at the bar. I said, Kareem Hunt game? Now, fortunately, we didn't need it to be a Kareem Hunt game. He'll have his at some point. He got his touchdown. Because I looked at you. I was like, what if he just goes off for like three, four touchdowns? Yeah, that'd be sweet. And just puts the team on his back. And it'd be unbelievable. Um, and we he could do very well do that. Uh, but the Browns, man, 19 to 17. Gave San Fran their first loss of the year. And I have to say, I cannot stomach. You can say a lot about the organization, the Browns. The whatever, the fact that these folks on the other side, other sideline, not so much that, but like you know, the people in the national media and whatnot, were bringing up the injuries to San Francisco. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Hello, let's see. We're down. Are we down? Yes or no? We're down a Pro Bowl quarterback that game? Yeah. We're down an uh, Pro Bowl all-world all uh, running back that game? Yep. Yep. we down a... Uh, All-pro left guard. Yep. Yep. Uh, and an all-pro right tackle. And an all-pro right tackle. Like, so right there, we're down four of our top 10 players on the team before the game even started. CMC went down. Debo Samuel went Debo down. Debo Samuel. And again, you don't want to wish injuries on people, but I could not believe the amount of people on social media, on television, on radio, trying to use that as some sort of excuse for the 49ers. Hell no. Defense figured it out after the first series. Rodney McLeod said that after the game. He said, it took us a series. We figured out what they were doing, then we did it. They didn't fall for Kyle Shanahan's famous motions that he's always running on offense. Guys running back and forth, back and forth, trying to screw up the defense. Defense just stayed put, didn't fall for it, didn't take the bait, and just focused on their individual jobs, all of them. It was unbelievable. And I will never get tired of thanking this man, but... Jim Schwartz, once again, he was like the little ray of... That actually probably gave me the most hope before Sunday came across that he was... Was it 8-1 and one against... 7-1 and one or 8-1 and one against, against Kyle Shanahan Kyle offenses. Shanahan, and now whatever that number is, it's plus one. And that D, man, what a fight. What a fight. They didn't give up after going down 10. They just kept grinding kept fighting it was smash mouth the weather sucked it was awesome and so proud of them please 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 don't lose to the colts this sunday all right time to lock back in 
we got to go to Indianapolis this Sunday to play the Colts. They just lost their franchise quarterback to shoulder surgery for the year. We're going to go against a gentleman named Gardner Minshew. Now, we talk about this defense being all world with this defense we have. We can bang it with anybody, again, as Miles said in his press conference. But it's going to depend on getting healthy on the offensive side of the ball, specifically our quarterback, Deshaun Watson, who's today said that he has a strange slash micro tear of his rotator cuff. Now, we know it's nothing crazy serious and he'll be back knock on wood he'll be back soon if not this weekend but to discuss that injury and others we're going to bring on the dogs of war podcast resident orthopedic orthopedic surgeon raleigh's uncle dr raymond tesner let's get over there now ladies and gentlemen we now welcome on a very special guest a reoccurring guest we have our resident orthopedic surgeon of the dogs of war podcast dr raymond tesner former linebacker at Penn State University, former Columbus Blue Jackets team doctor, no big deal, former Ohio University football team doctor, no big deal, and a renowned orthopedic surgeon with over 40 years experience. This man spends his days operating on shoulders, MCLs, ACLs, LLLs, whatever they are. Dr. Tesser, thanks for joining us, sir. And I'll also need to remind everyone that this is Raleigh's uncle yes, as well. He, yes, he is my uncle. You were on a couple of years ago, maybe last year. I don't remember the last time you were on, but you gave us some pretty compelling stuff. One, the description of the function of a sports medicine doctor such as yourself. I'm going to try to recap it for the audience, and you can tell me if I nailed it or if you have any critiques. Sports medicine doctor, their job when a player goes down with injury is to quantify the injury as much as possible and give as much data to all three parties involved at the professional level, the three parties being the player themselves, the agent and the player, call them in the same party. The team, the organization, the coaches is the second party. And the third is, wait, the third is the doctor. Third is the doctor, you. It's kind of like a checks and balance system where the doctor, they're looking for, is this injury, if they continue playing, can it cause long-term damage can they risk walking again for example extreme case can it become chronic what are the pros and cons or are they just going to have to fight through the pain and then you clear based off of your medical school knowledge the coach they can take that information and say oh great he can play but then the coach watches that player play say in practice and determine well 60% of Deshaun Watson is not better than 100% of PJ Walker the backup quarterback. So PJ Walker is going to play as well as the player could decide, despite the doctor saying I'm okay to play can determine I'm not going to play for various reasons. Is that fairly close to what you guys do? Yeah, that's pretty close. I mean, uh, you know, you talk, I got lost there, doc. Sorry. I hope you didn't get lost there. I did. Well, it was a little convoluted, but uh, I get the point. One of the, one of the issues, one of the points you made, I mean, when you're dealing with a high school athlete or college. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill athlete uh, you got to deal with the the player and the parents you know so that's a factor 
Uh, When you get to the pro level, you're dealing with the player and the agent, uh, which is a little bit different. Uh, And uh, it's not exactly as fun, uh, you know, as it is when you, when you have an agent involved. Uh, So, yeah, that's pretty close. And then, you know, my job is to define the injuries that's severe or not. Will I allow you to play? Uh, And, uh, or is it really in your best interest not to play? And then uh, take that information. And then, uh, you know, the, the difference is, uh, as we were talking earlier, is the difference between me allowing him to play and him being able to play. So you say, okay, it looks pretty good. Go, go try it out. And he goes and tries it out, and uh, he's not satisfied with his ability to perform. Or the coach can say, if that's as good as uh, he can do, I can't use him. Uh, so, you know, it's a combination of that kind of stuff. And uh, everybody's a little different. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I said earlier, I think, that uh, uh, some of the more finely tuned athletes uh, uh, have a little harder trouble functioning uh, when they're not at 100%, uh, because uh, they're used to a certain level of efficiency, and uh, they kind of short circuit uh, a little bit more so than a than a, a you know a, a lineman or a linebacker, somebody like that. And and that doesn't that's not necessarily good or bad. That's just an observation that I've seen over the years. The more skilled and high high uh, highly uh, skilled, I guess, or what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, skilled players. Skill player uh, position. Skill players. Skill players uh, uh, oftentimes uh, don't function uh, as uh, as well or have a hard time performing when they're not uh, hitting on all cylinders. A so, quarterback is not running up and down the court like an NBA player all night long. It's a little different there. Well, those guys still got to shoot. So I'm just saying, when it comes to these bad you know, ACLs, are no, it's a good example. He's saying he said the example with a lineman. It's different, like recovery for linemen who doesn't have to move like a quarterback like a Deshaun Watson does all over the field. Well, I think he was referring to the linemen there basically grunting and doing close quarters combat versus a quarterback has to be able to drop it. All right, let's not get off on the the rails. Point made. We got it. Audience hopefully gets it. Let me say this way. If a lineman's functioning at 90%, it's it's not as obviously problematic as when a quarterback's functioning at 90%. Now, you can call okay, plays that, around it and avoid some things. Part of that, too, but go ahead. Um, one of the reasons we brought you on here was to help us decipher what you think may or may not be going on with Deshaun Watson. What we know occurred is that against the Titans two, three weeks ago, however long it was, he tried to truck stop a guy with his throwing arm on a run play later in the game. The following day, we found out that he wasn't practicing because his shoulder was sore. We were like, okay, what's that mean? He was confident that he would be able to play uh, throughout the week, but they were resting him, resting him. Saturday night, we hear again that he's confident he's playing, and then an hour before game time, Deshaun Watson is not playing against the Ravens. Browns get killed. We're bummed bye week occurs so we're like okay he's coming back after the bye week monday after the sunday bye comes along he is still not practicing and next thing you know pj walker is playing against the niners which we won it is now monday tuesday it is wednesday and he was still not practicing and he had his first press conference described it as a rotator cuff micro tear micro tear but prior to that 
uh, something we talked a little bit off air before bringing you on. He said in this press conference that he waited about six days, so Saturday night, before doing the MRI on his shoulder because the swelling, they wanted the swelling to go down. And you said, so what is a micro tear and a rotator cuff? How bad is that? And why do you wait so long to do an MRI? Now, also disclaimer, Dr. T here has obviously not examined Deshaun and we're not questioning the toughness or the validity of the injury. We're trying to dumb this down to people like Raleigh and I to understand what the hell is going on here. Okay, well, let me say a few things. And I think we said this off air that uh, there's no, there's no uh, truth or rationale to the concept is you have to wait a few days for the uh, swelling to go down before you get an MRI. So I don't know where that came from. Uh, there's, there's no truth to that. Um, the, you know, they were getting to see if it got better. Maybe we don't have to do an MRI. Maybe it's not that bad and it wasn't getting better. So you do an MRI. So they did not delay it. No doctor would delay it because there's too much swelling. It won't be of any use to us. So that's that. The next thing is this concept of micro tear, uh, of the rotator cuff, uh, micro tear. What they're saying is there's no big tear. There's not a torn rotator cuff. We see, they see, they see on MRI what you call signal, which means that there's some inflammation, irritation, uh, it, that, that rotator cuff doesn't look exactly normal. There's no big tears, but there's a little signal, a little inflammation. That could be called a micro tear, that could be called a strain, that could be called tendinosis. Those are all words to use. A little bit of an inflamed, irritated rotator cuff. It's not a major tear. Uh, now, I would say to you that uh, it's possible and probable that if you MRI all these guys, you know, all the wear and tear and the bangs and the throwing that they're doing, it's not unusual to see a little inflammation uh, in, in a lot of rotator cuffs that aren't even bothering them. So the doctors saw this uh, tear or saw, excuse me, saw this signal, saw this MRI and said, it's not bad. Uh, you can play. And uh, it's not a major tear. It's okay to play if you can. And he tried it out and uh, was unable to, unable to perform at a level that was satisfactory uh, uh, to him primarily. Now, sometimes the coaches can pick it up and say, if that's as good as you can. I'm not hearing what the coaches said. Uh, I've not heard anything about that. But what I've heard is that he said, yeah, I'm trying and it's not working. I'm not happy. I can't perform like this. And uh, it's better off to wait. So there's no surgery necessary. The treatment is time and rest and some medication and some of the therapy that he's going through. Sometimes in a more severe case, uh, an injection could be uh, used as well. But it would be very unusual to inject a, a player's shoulder like that in, in the middle of the season. You try not to do that unless you were going to really sit him for four to six weeks. So... Uh, you know, it's uh, one of those things that doesn't look that bad, should be okay. But from his point of view, it's still bothering him to the point where he doesn't think he can function at the level he needs to. Then. He said he didn't want to get shot with anything or inject with anything because he can't throw if his arm's numb. He said that's at his press conference. And then uh, another question is someone asked him, a reporter, is this something that can linger all season long? And he said, I don't know. 
And I guess there really is no way to know that, right? If unless you can predict the future. Yeah, I mean, that's the idea is that if you rested for a period of time, uh, you know, that's why the bye week and that first week that he missed, you know, uh, oftentimes because if you continue to, if you try to go back to play too quickly, you keep it irritated and it doesn't get a chance to heal. So uh, there's nothing that's surgical. Uh, sometimes an injection could be used, but at this point they're saying, Hey, with some time and some medication, probably in regards to anti-inflammatory and some physical therapy, you know, this is going to turn around. And one would have expected it to turn around a little quicker than it has so far. Uh, but sometimes it doesn't. And uh, uh, that's kind of where we're at right now, waiting for him to feel that uh, function in that shoulder is uh, good enough for him to be able to perform uh, based on his his evaluation of himself. Doc, there, there's all the talk in, in news today and sports the last few years in general. Um, Aaron Rodgers being the big one out right now. You know, people talking about Nick Chubb, how the recovery times for pro athletes for ACLs, MCLs, Achilles, they're not what they used to be. People are coming back so much faster than they ever did before. Why is that? Is that because you guys are literally innovating new things on the operating table? Or is it things that they're doing innovation-wise in the recovery post-surgery? Or is it both? A little bit of both in regards to that. Uh, uh, I'm not uh, so certain that, uh, let's take an ACL, for example. Uh, I don't think guys are getting back quicker on ACLs than, than we used to. It's still... You know, you want as much time as you can. The only reason you'd come back quicker would be if the season's starting and uh, you're pressed in that regard. I mean, you, you, you'd you like uh, six to nine months at the minimum for an ACL to come back to play. Uh, in the old days, uh, when we were starting out, some doctors thought that their their calling card was, hey, I can get, I can get my, my knees back quicker. I can get them back in four months. Well, we found out that was a mistake. It needs time no matter what. So there are some new techniques, possibly physical therapy-wise, that have been helpful for some more minor things. We, do, or we are using some uh, biologics now in regards to like stem cell injection uh, that's better than and safer than the cortisone stuff. So that's an innovation that's uh, changed the game a little bit. But still in all, it's, uh, the, the, you know, how quick can you get back or, or how long is it going to take? Well, in regards to the injury, you know, the more time you have, the better it is. But when you're in season, uh, it's, uh, you know, I would say to you that if, uh, if the Super Bowl was, uh, uh, you know, last week, he'd have played in the Super Bowl. Uh, but when you're early in the season, you say, well, gosh, if we give this thing time now to rest and fully rehabilitate as opposed to continuing to aggravate it by trying to come back too quick, <coughs> we may be better off. And, you know, that's, the, that's the, the game you play and trying to predict that stuff. Uh, and one would have thought with uh, the week that he missed and the bye week that with this minor micro tear, quote unquote, that it would be better. But it's coming along slower, evidently, than uh, uh, everyone would have predicted. What do you do when you have a, a micro tear? Like, we'll use Deshaun's injury specifically. You what rest treatment can you do besides just not moving and let it heal on its own? Like, what are they doing to him? And can we give him stem cells? Uh-huh. 
Uh, yes, you could, but you'd, you'd want to sit them for sure after that. I mean, the stem cell, if you're going to go to that level, if you're going to go to an injection level, I mean, sometimes you can numb guys up to let them play, uh, but then you worry about, you know, you're, you're going to do more damage to it. But, you know, sometimes in certain situations, uh, like a Super Bowl or a, a state championship high school football game, uh, you know, it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime, very important situation. You know, the the benefit outweighs the risk sometimes. And the, if everybody agrees, we're going to numb this up and see what you can do. Uh, uh, if everybody's on the same page, uh, you can push it that way sometimes. But if, you know, the longer you rest it, the more time you give it to fully rehabilitate, the safer you're going to be. But it's trying to work that concept into the middle of the season, which is not easy to do. When you classify this micro tear, is there a risk of it getting worse versus just never? Rec- There's a difference between getting worse and not getting better. It's probably a medical term, but you know what I mean when I'm asking that versus yeah, snapping yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. No, not this. Well, that's a long shot. I mean, uh, it, it just it's in this case, it's about prolonging the full re, uh, recuperative time. I mean, the the longer, the quicker, the quicker you rest it, the longer you rest it, the quicker it'll get better. That's that's, you know, mm. you know, if you give it six weeks as opposed to two weeks, that's going to be a hell of a lot better chance of being, quote unquote, back to normal. So, I mean, that's a that's just a general rule. The longer you give this thing, the more you rest it, the more time you give it, the better it will be. Well, how long is long enough? Well, you know, that's the question. And it, it's based on, on his perception of, uh, of, of the discomfort. I mean, everybody deals with pain a little differently. Uh, sometimes uh, guys just can't deal with pain. And that doesn't, that's what I was trying to say earlier, that doesn't make them a sissy or a baby. Everybody's wired a little bit different. So it's a little hard to 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 quantify that and uh, and define it. But some guys could be playing through this. Some guys have a harder time playing through that. So um, the doctors were saying, this is not bad. We allow you to play. It's okay to play. And he's saying, okay, I'm going to try to play. Hey, I can't, I can't perform. I can't play. I can't do it. So that's where they're at. I think at the end of the day, people are just exhausted from the whole last couple of years and just waiting for us to have Deshaun come back and play and now this pops up. I think everyone realizes it's not a super serious injury and he'll be back soon, but people are just getting really uh, – they're done waiting. I mean, And I get it. I get it. A year before that, you know, Baker's got well, that's that's my That's what yeah. I wanted to ask is, is, Doc, I think that people also at the same time – they were still going through the PTSD of Baker's torn labrum from two years ago. So they hear micro tear of a rotator cuff. Granted, two totally different worlds, but can you dumb down the difference between a torn labrum and a micro tear of a rotator cuff? Like, where are we in the, the shoulder? And the obviously it wasn't his throwing shoulder, but it's still it the both, shoulder. They did both come from similar types of impact where. Yes, yes. The guy they, both, drilled in the they, shoulder. Both come, they both come from trauma. And, uh, um, I mean, the, the, the labrum is, uh, is a structure that's, uh, associated with the stability of the shoulder, uh, it, it being too loose, it moving more than it should. It's a, it's a ligament, if you will. Uh, 
and it has to do with uh, stability. Uh, the the rotator cuff uh, tendon is is a tendon, not a ligament, and that has to do with strength uh, more so than stability. So they're different structures. They're they're both. Those are the two major things that we deal with uh, uh, with shoulder pathology: rotator cuff disease and labrum disease, and uh, or injury. Uh, I don't want to say disease. Labrum labrum and uh, rotator cuff uh, uh, injuries uh, is the two major things we deal with. But one is more stability and one is more strength. And both of them are associated with some degree of pain. You hear about older people getting rotator cuff surgery, you know, rotator cuff repairs. That's for a full thickness tear. You almost never have a full thickness rotator cuff tear in anybody under the age of 50, really. It's an attritional thing more than an injury thing, almost always. Now, multiple injuries like this, you know, could lead to or be, can be contribute to him having rotator cuff problems when he's 50 because of what he's going through now. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, a full thickness rotator cuff tear doesn't, doesn't happen. You don't get rotator cuff surgery on any, any, uh, uh, college or uh, professional athletes. But when those college professional athletes are in their 50s and 60s, uh, lots and lots of them have rotator cuff dysfunction. Um, either either from Mike, you know, when, either from micro tears or tears or just wear and tear of the of the sport that they're involved with. So he'll be back in a couple of weeks worst case. Is that where I mean without even examining I, them I know what I would say. I would say yes, one would think I'm surprised uh, Worst that case, he's not, that he's not better yet. But there's, you know, at this point, is giving the time, trying to rest as much as we can, doing the therapy slash massage, doing those other things we talked about, and this thing should get better with him able to perform. One would think in a two to two to four week time frame, uh, and I would have thought that it would be better by now. But it's not unusual for it to take a little longer, especially like I mentioned to you in a skilled athlete. I'd be remiss and yelled at if I didn't ask this. We're just going to go off the Deshaun topic now. Worst case, he's back in a couple of weeks. We get that and appreciate the insight there. Let's hypothetically, you have the best running back on the planet. You blew your knee out in college and then blow your knee out again a few years later in the pros, ACL and MCL. That was MCL gone, ACL partial. I just You blow the same knee out twice. Nowadays, with treatment and technology and everything, what is the prognosis on that, especially someone like Nick Chubb, who all he does is live in the gym anyway? So if anyone can come back and recover, it's him. But how difficult and what is the kind of prognosis when you do that twice of the same knee? That, that would be a very, very bad prognosis. Um, to come back once is, is difficult. To come back twice on an injury like that. Now, there, there are also sometimes – other associated is his case. I think there's some MCL component to that. I think we've talked about that makes it worse. Uh, and at this point, most probably with these two injuries, there's some meniscus damage as well. So it's very difficult uh, to come back after two ACL surgeries to perform at the level uh, that he's used to perform it at for sure. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's a terrible not, note to end on. I think you and your listeners uh, 
should know that I am a longtime serious Cleveland Browns fan uh, my whole life. And also that I am have been, as most of us are that are Browns fans, a huge uh, Nick Chubb fan. So, uh, but I'm saying to myself and to people that ask me like you off the record, uh, for his ability to come back and perform at that level would be very, very rare. Um, also, I, I got to shout this out. If any of you are still listening and you're like, well, what does this guy know? He just said that the MRI thing wasn't a real thing, even though Sean Watson said it. I don't know if anyone actually said that with that tone, but hypothetically, one of the craziest things that's had happened on this podcast was during the Baker era when he popped his shoulder out, the media was telling us it was a partially torn labrum. And Baker said he heard something pop. They popped it back in and then he went back out. It's a partial tear. And you said, that does not make sense. If you hear a pop, that means it's fully torn. And we were like, uh, what do you mean? Uncle buddy, doctor, uncle buddy, because the media was saying this and you're saying, I'm telling you that does not happen unless it's a full torn labrum. And then a couple well, of weeks go by and the media says, by the way, it turns out it was a fully torn labrum the whole time. So the guy hasn't missed yet, at least not on this podcast. Well, let, let me, me the just, uh, thank you very much. But uh, I just want to correct one thing you said. Pop is one thing. I mean, you can pop your knuckles. Mine usually pop. They're not right now. So, but popping out, coming out and going back in, that's what we were referring to. It popped out, not a pop, not a noise necessarily, <laughs> but popping out. It's a word you pop out, whatever the hell that means. But you're coming, demonstrating my point that you know what you're talking about and you pay attention to detail and it is not, well, he is a real doctor. One more question, Doc, before we let you go back to your yeah. uh, important life. Yes. You've said a few times tonight the term finely tuned athlete. When you look at your nephew and I, do you see two finely tuned athletes? I see remnants. Okay, we'll take that. We'll take that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Raymond Tesner, Raleigh's uncle, renowned orthopedic surgeon, team doctor for the Jackets, OU. Hey, if you're in Columbus, Ohio, if you're in Ohio, hey, if you're anywhere in the world and you need a biceps reattached, an ACL rebuilt, Maybe an Achilles popped. Go see Dr. T. Tell me you heard about him on the Dogs of War podcast. Thanks again, Doc. We really appreciate you helping us out. He's retired. Man, yeah. we should have talked about We're not we, we should have talked about defense and Jim Schwartz. How fun is it to watch a Browns team with defense that plays defense? Yeah. Yeah. I know. They're they're really fun to watch. I mean, they are uh, you know, I'm I'm not uh, I don't know what kind of personnel changes they've made between this year and last year. But, man, they play – they're a fun defense to watch for sure. Uh, just like, uh, I might add, the Penn State defense, uh, if you'd watch them at all. So, they're very oh, similar, no. and you're going to see that coming up this weekend. Oh, that, what a great plug from a former Penn State wow. linebacker. I respect the hell out of that. Dr. T, thank you very much again, sir. Appreciate it. For Dr. Tesner, for Raleigh, for myself, thank you for listening to Dogs of War Podcast, and good night, Cleveland. Any given Sunday, you could see him arrive. He stood six foot two, weighed two twenty five. Number thirty two, he was better than the rest. Everybody knew that he was the best. Jim Brown. 